Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So I, I had in mind, um, originally I was going to follow up last week's talk on facing in the right direction, if you were, you were here, about the path being, in that approach, a gradual, um, a gradual uh, unfolding uh, with another way to look at the path of just being um, freedom right here and right now. Um, But I'm going to hold off on that until next week because um, mm, a couple of events happened this week, um, one happening right now that uh, just kind of uh, has shifted my mm, inclination of mind. So the, the title of, of the talk, I don't know how long I'll be going on for it, might be just a, um, a short time and then a, a conversation. The title is, uh, Anything Can Happen at Any Time. This is a, a teaching uh, that Joseph Goldstein uh, has said often and that uh, I've taken to heart on the unpredictability of life. You know, this is, as you look at the nature of reality, you become more and more attuned to the truth of impermanence, anicca, in the, in Buddhist teachings. A-N-I-C-C-A, anicca, C-C is like a C-H that everything is changing. And when we really get that, not just as a, a concept, but as a, a living experience, it shifts our relationship to our lives, to the moment, instead of thinking that things will always be great when they're good or always be awful when they're bad. We, I'm sure, don't expect that they'll always be a certain way, but we kind of uh, get in a groove or get in a rut and think that, uh, oh yeah, this is is how it's going to be for a little while. When you really see moment to moment how quickly things change, um, you don't take the moments for granted and it's a bit more incentive to to be here for your life and a bit more willingness to be here for 
the hard stuff when, when it comes because that too is just here for a while and then that goes through its own transformation. So um, two events. One happened uh, on Tuesday evening uh, at the uh, Awakening Joy course. Anybody who was there on Tuesday? Oh, okay. So, um, <clears throat> we were exploring the, the topic of gratitude. And the, um, the speaker for the evening, this beautiful uh, woman, uh, Arisika Rasik, um, was the guest speaker, besides what I share. And she was giving a, a talk on um, on gratitude, and particularly her, the focus of her talk was gratitude even for the difficulties. And she had a, a number of uh, examples and moving examples and uh, kept on pointing to, uh, to that understanding. And just at the very end of her talk, it's like she was hunting for the word. And just as I often do, I'm always feeling like, oh, there's a word in there someplace. It'll come out. You know. But there she was kind of pausing to just get the right word. And then the pause was like the pause button. Somebody hit the pause button and she wasn't moving. And after uh, after a few moments, um, she had a seizure. She's okay now, and it's okay, she said, absolutely, it's fine to share this. But um, there were, you know, close to 200 people or so, um, just um, wide-eyed and uh, holding breath, and um, she became stiff. And I went up on the stage and um, a number of other people went up and there were about, oh, eight or 10 of us and just surrounding her and putting her down and putting her on our side. And somebody called the uh, uh, 911 and the ambulance came. And, and she, was, she was out for a little while, it was at least 10 minutes or so. And, um, and then she came too, and uh, <clears throat> took her to Alta Bates. <clears throat> and I spoke with her the next morning, and she was she was back. But there we were at the uh, at the joy class, hearing about gratitude for the difficulties and then she had this and it was it was very uh interesting as she was talking about how she had come tuesday night was the the storm night and she had come from across the uh across the bay uh, bay bridge um from san francisco and and was it was a very tense ride um for her. And just as we were reflecting, wow, 
That could have easily happened as she was driving across. And um, there she was in, as we all reflected on it, the best of all possible circumstances, surrounded by love and caring, um, and a, a nurse and a doctor in the audience who knew what they were doing, and then the ambulance coming within just a few minutes, taking her to a really fine hospital, and um, fortunately, she was fine. But it definitely got everybody's attention. Mm. And it was actually very um, uh, beautiful um, holding after she left. Um, Jennifer Berezin sang a, a beautiful song. She's a, a dear friend of Erisica's, actually Jennifer and Patricia Ellsberg, who leads the Guided Meditations. They're both really good friends of Erisica's. And then um, Patricia left, led a beautiful Guided Meditation, and I said some words, and there was just this sense of, oh yeah, this too, this too is part of life. Even as we talk about joy and gratitude, so that certainly was was with me on uh, Tuesday night and much of Wednesday. Mm. And then today, as uh, I was in my office doing some work and at the computer. Um, a call comes uh, comes in from a friend um, telling me that um, a, a dear friend um, is who's been going through a lot of physical challenges over the last oh, couple of years now um, is dying. And you might know if you go to Spirit Rock, this name might be familiar to to you. Um, her name is Gina Thompson, and uh, Gina Thompson. Anybody know Gina Thompson? Yeah. So uh, if you go into the dining room, in Gina, uh, you'll see in the entrance it says "In loving appreciation for Gina Thompson," and many people have thought, "Oh, well, th- that must be some kind of memorial plaque." But Gina is. Uh, has been alive all along. However, she's been a, an incredible friend to uh, Spirit Rock. She um, um, she spent her whole life kind of um, connecting people together, and she's connected some very um, good supporters and patrons, and saying this is. This is an enterprise worth supporting and um, for Spirit Rock. And, and the dining room really was, was built in a large part from uh, one significant donation that um, Gina inspired. And he said, okay, I'll, I'll give you, uh, uh, you know, a good portion of the money um, and just put that plaque up there for, uh, for Gina because she's been the inspiration. Um, I've known her for over 
over 20 years. She used to live in L.A. and, and she uh, put together uh, a number of nonprofit uh, organizations around health care and, um, and uh, service and compassionate service. Um, and then she moved up here, oh, maybe about 10 or 12 years ago, uh, to be near Spirit Rock. And uh, she's, she had gone through a number of very challenging um, health problems, but she was actually doing well in the last uh, in the last couple of weeks, and so this was kind of uh, a surprise. So she right now is in the process of dying. Um, beautiful woman in every way. She's in her seventies now, although you know when she's healthy, it's like she's she's gorgeous. She was somebody who was. A, a real knockout. She must have been a real knockout when she was younger. Um, and uh, just filled with love and appreciation as she'd be going through her her physical challenges, uh, just saying, I am so grateful for all the love coming my way. And everybody in, uh, in what it, whatever hospital, wherever she was, uh, kind of uh, got their blessing from Gina. She's that kind of a person. So, um, just makes me, again, get in touch with uh, the fragility of it all, the fragility of life. And I want to dedicate this to, to Gina and say a little, we'll do some metta uh, if you're open to it and directing it towards her. Um, but that um, not only impermanence, but death is really something that the Buddha said to, um, to contemplate every day. The, the chanting that you do when somebody is dying, <coughs> not only when somebody's dying, but particularly then, the famous chant, uh, Anicca Vata Sankara. It goes, Anicca Vata Sankara Upadava Yadamino Upakitava Neruchanti Desang Upasamo Sukho and you chant that three times. And uh, it means anicca vata sankara. All compound, all things that are put together, uh, everything is impermanent. Every, all compound things that are put together um, fall apart. One who is in harmony with this truth, one who really understands this truth, knows true happiness, knows genuine happiness. Mm. That's interesting. Uh, Even when the Buddha was nearing the end of his life, 
There's one of the most famous discourses uh, is uh, the Mahaparinibbana Sutta. That is, uh, Parinibbana is the, um, the end of the life of a fully enlightened being. Nibbana, this kind of freedom, which literally means extinguishing the fire, putting out the fire of craving. And parinibbana, parinibbana is the last nibbana, the last, the final putting out of the last fire when somebody who has um, ex- achieved full enlightenment dies because in the Theravadan tradition that means <coughs> they are finished with their wor- work, they have ended the cycle of rebirth and fully liberated. And the Maha Parinibbana Sutta is the discourse on the, Bo- the Buddha's um, last days and his, um, his dying. And this is uh, this is right right as he's dying. He says, uh, and in that sutta is uh, the Anicca Sankara um, chant as part of the text. He says. Um, Venerable Anuruddha uttered this verse, no breathing in and out, just with steadfast heart, the sage, the Buddha, who's free from lust has passed away to peace. With mind unshaken, he endured all pains. By Nibbana, the illumined mind, illumined mind is freed. And those monks who had not yet overcome their passions, that is, ones who were who hadn't become liberated or awakened in some way wept and tore their hair raising their arms throwing themselves down and twisting and turning crying all too soon the blessed one has passed away all too soon the welfare has passed away. All too soon, the eye of the world has disappeared. <clears throat> the Buddha was 80 when, when this happened. But those monks who were free from craving endured mindfully and clearly aware, saying, all compounded things are impermanent. What is the use of this? And Venerable Anuruddha said, friends, enough weeping and wailing. The Lord already told you that all things that are pleasant and delightful are changeable, subject to separation and to becoming other. So, why all this, friends? Whatever is born, become, compounded, is subject to decay. It cannot be that it does not decay. And yet, unless you're a fully enlightened being, or awakened, there's sadness, there's loss, as well as uh, clear, perhaps there can be clarity in seeing, okay, this is part of the package. Everything that's born dies. 
And yet, um, there's a kind of, I'm feeling a kind of uh, mm, both appreciation and uh, feeling feeling the loss for myself of my my friend Gina. Uh, so it's natural to, of course, feel that, and one one can't bypass that and say, "Oh yes, well, it's death is is part of reality. We have to accept," and so it's just the way things are. Mm. There's a famous story in uh, in the Tibetan tradition of Marpa, the the translator who was one of the great lineage holders in uh, in one of the schools, the, the Kagyu school. And uh, Marpa was a householder, and he had um, he was plowing the fields um, after his uh, his son died, and his son was was young, and uh, and as he's plowing, he's he's crying, and his students come and say, um, "Master, why are you crying? You are always saying it's all an illusion." And Marpa said, "says uh, Yes, it's all an illusion, and the saddest of all illusions is when your child dies." And so I cry. Mm. So. It's something to contemplate regularly and also to, um, to just prepare in the, in the um, when that event happens so many times in, in our lives. I wanted to share with you some, this is from the Tibetan tradition as well, the disadvantages of not remembering death and the benefits of remembering death. And then we can do it. There's a little nine-point meditation on death. <clears throat> Six disadvantages of not remembering death. One, we will not remember the Dharma. Two, even if we remember the Dharma, we may not practice it. Three, if we practice the Dharma, we may not practice it purely. Four, our practice will lack persistence. Five, we may commit many non-virtuous actions which will bring suffering in the future. And die, and six, we will die with regret. Now, this is from the Lamrim tradition. Six benefits of remembering death. One, our actions and our life will become beneficial. We will practice the Dharma sincerely and energetically. Two, our Dharma practice will become very pure and powerful. Three, it is important at the beginning of our practice Four, it is important throughout our practice. Five, it is important at the end of our practice. And six, we will die with a peaceful, happy mind. So that's the traditional advantages and disadvantages. And here's the nine-point meditation on death from, again, from the Lamrin 
tradition. First, there are three, three categories, and each has three. One, death is definite. And the three subcategories in that first one, everyone has to die. Our lifespan is decreasingly is decreasing continuously. And then three, the amount of time we devote to Dharma is very small. And then the second triad, the time of death is uncertain. One, human life expectancy is uncertain. Two, there are many causes of death. And three, the human body is very fragile. And then the third triad, it is dharma or spiritual insight that can help us at the time of death. And the three, our possessions and enjoyments cannot help us at the time of death. Two, our family and friends cannot help us. Three, our body cannot help at the time of death. And so that's in that tradition, you contemplate that every day. <clears throat> and there's one other thing that I want to share from the Tibetan, and then we can have a think of a bit of a exploration in between us. And this is um, from the Tibetan Book of the Dead that you're supposed to read to somebody as they're passing. <clears throat> or some version or other of this. This is a version that I like. And so actually, as I, as I read this, um, I'm going to be reading it to Gina. And maybe we can all just keep her in mind. Gina, remember the clear light, the pure, clear, white light from which everything in the universe comes, to which everything in the universe returns. The original nature of your own mind, the natural state of the universe unmanifest. Let go into the clear light, Gina. Trust it. Merge with it. It is your own nature. It is home. The visions you experience exist within your own consciousness. The forms they take determined by your own past attachments, desires, your past fears, your past karma. These visions have no reality outside your consciousness, Gina. No matter how frightening some of them may seem, they cannot hurt you. Just let them pass through your consciousness. They will all pass in time. No need to become involved with them. 
No need to become attracted to the beautiful visions. No need to be repulsed by the frightening ones. No need to become seduced or excited by the sexual ones. No need to be attached to them at all. Just let them pass through your consciousness like clouds passing through an empty sky. Fundamentally, they have no more reality than this. Remember these teachings. Remember the clear light, the pure, bright, shining white light of your own nature. It is deathless. If you look into the visions, you can experience and recognize that they are composed of the same pure, clear, white light as everything else in the universe. No matter where or how far you wander, the light is only a split second, a half breath away. It is never too late to recognize the clear light. Let go into it. Trust it. Merge with it. It is your own nature. It is home. So I'd like you, like us all, to uh, just for a moment go inside as this person that you probably don't know is passing as a reminder for us all. And just to reflect for a moment, what's your relationship to death these days? And allow however it is to be here practice or your spiritual life informed your perspective in any ways that you can connect with how does spiritual practice Dharma practice support your relationship to this fundamental fact of life. I think before we have a, a general conversation, um, I would invite you to um, to hear each other, maybe getting groups of, of three 
and uh, hear the wisdom from each other and helping get in touch with your own wisdom. There's no right or wrong in this. And even if it's just, I don't know, it scares the heck out of me and I'm confused or whatever, that's okay. Just, uh, just to start to verbalize and um, uh, opening up consciously to, uh, to this issue. And uh, we can talk for, oh, maybe about 10 minutes or so, 12 minutes. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you when it's about halfway through and then we'll come back as a group. Okay, so please share. Turn to somebody near you, and it can be a group of four or two if three doesn't, uh, doesn't work out right near you. Okay. Start finishing up. can thank your partners and let's come on back. Oh, a lot of conversation there. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did you say? A heated topic. And uh, just um, coincidentally, while you were having your triads, and uh, I turned on my phone because I wanted to look up something uh, to read to you, and uh, Sally uh, Clough Armstrong just uh, called We've been in touch a few times today, and she said she, said she just found out that Gina passed away uh, about uh, five or six this evening, and then and she had sent a an email to all the teachers and people who knew her. Dear friends, our dear Gina passed away peacefully early this evening. She was surrounded by family and friends, and all of her beloved teachers had been in touch with her today, either by phone or in person. She was a truly radiant being who will be much missed, but her huge store of merit from her countless acts of compassion and generosity will no doubt support her during this transition with Metta Sally. So, pretty amazing, huh? So, let's hear what went on for you. Thanks, Andrew. What comes up for you? Thanks, um, Isabella. Um, One of the things that came up for me is uh, by studying the Dharma, um, what really resonated with me is whatever state I'm in during my passing, my death, really contributes to my next life or... I'm not sure how much I believe in rebirth. I mean, there's some of it that I do believe, but I'm not 100% on board with that yet. But, however, I do under, I really want my passing to be 
just a lovely release. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like the only place I get that is by studying the Dharma. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what drives me mm-hmm. towards the Dharma. I just feel like that's so important. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to fight that. I really yeah. just want to release into whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and that it's beautiful there. And I like to think that when I meditate that I get a sense of what that could be, that release could be like, Mm -hmm. and maybe even what the next stage will be that I can go into. Mm. Beautiful. That's beautiful. And and it is, uh, it is a, practice is a meditation for, a practice for death. This is, the Buddha says, of all the footprints, that of the elephant is supreme. Similarly, of all mindfulness meditation, that reflection on death is supreme. Is it just, uh, there you are. And I, it's so beautiful, is it what you said, how you envision, one never knows, but, how, but just to hold that vision and really um, have that intention uh, is probably the most supportive thing you can do to bring that about. Because you're practicing feeling that release, letting go. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Isabella. What else? Yeah. Just thinking about death makes me realize how much I value the meditation of being in the moment, in the present moment, that focus. And mm-hmm. just sitting here tonight thinking about that makes me think that life is really just the chance to participate in a conversation. And eventually you leave the room. But to the extent that you can make that a nicer, happier, more joyful conversation, then you can, you can check out more gracefully. Mm. Beautiful, Tony. A friend of mine wrote me recently, referring to someone like 50 years ago, said he, he died too young. And before I realized I was probably being glib, I wrote him back. I wrote him back and said, well, no, everything dies at the right time. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I, was, I, I have a lot of trouble with the expression, passed away. Mm-hmm. And I, I, did, I did like to hear it when you said uh, the Buddha passed away to peace. Mm-hmm. But um, I'd like to hear, um, and I, hear I've, I learned it and heard it, I've heard it from, from black people who say they passed passed on, but mm-hmm. I passed away. I, I have, mm-hmm. I, I'm not a big fan of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Passed on is, a, is, is, a, is a, I could see a really, um, um, supportive metaphor as you're transitioning to the next whatever. Thank you. What else came up? I just wanted to mention that there's a new course starting one year to live in mm. April, and I don't know how you yeah. get the information, but it's starting in April. Okay, sometime, yeah, so. there's a, a year with Bonnie O'Brien Johnson. Yeah, there's a wonderful program called Year to Live. I, I did it a number of years ago um, that comes out of um, 
Stephen Levine's book, A Year to Live, where you go through a year, your, it's your last year of your life, and a year from when you start is your day that you pass on. And you really, uh, it makes you conscious of what's important and how do you want to live your life. Uh, so there's a new one starting in April. You could probably just either Google Year to Live, Bonnie, Bonnie O'Brien Johnson with J-O-N-S-S-O-N. Um, and it's really, it's really excellent. Kind of a silly uh, question, but um, um, one of the things we talked about in our group was about just how important mindfulness is. Um, if you don't know when you're going, then you want to be you want to be here as much as possible. Um, and I was just wondering. Sometimes I feel like <clears throat> I don't know how, or I, I struggle to just disconnect from the internet or from my phone or things like that. And I was just wondering if you had any sort of suggestions or tips for for pausing before engaging or for disengaging um, in ways so that I can be more present where I'm at or or not be letting that sort of pull me as much so I can, I don't know, engage in other things hmm. that are fulfilling. So while, and this is while you're in the in the relationship with the screen, how to, to pause and be mindful from that. Time and to time. even just, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but it's like the phone, like, I'll just check and see if I got an email, you know, like, I don't have to do that all day, but, you know, it's just this instinct, and I want to detach from that, that sort of easy, you know, pleasure of receiving an email, <laughs> you know, that instant mm-hmm. excitement. Yeah. It's hard. I, I have to say, this is hard for, this is a practice for me, too. Um, I think the first step is really getting clear on your intention and then take a a chunk of time like this week. Well, it's Thursday already, so uh, you won't have that much more to go, but say for the next week or the next three days or so. If you just keep in mind, you might set a timer, okay, I'll do email for the next hour and a half or however it is. Or I'll check my email, whether you have your phone or whatever. Budget your time and notice as you're about to check it, here's just a little extra mindfulness. Notice what goes on just before you're about to check it. And you, if you do it like a game, this is not a pass-fail test, but you're doing it just to see, just to explore. And every time that you do catch yourself and just feel what's going on in there, feel great about it. And the uh, 15 times that you forget in between maybe those, don't judge yourself. But the more you see what's going on the more you give yourself a choice. So just you're just exploring, but the, the idea of, of planting that intention to just do it as, as a particular mindfulness practice might hold it in a whole different thing than being frustrated by it. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, it's, it's time to go. So I, I hope that you did 
get in touch at least with exploring and not not getting too um, stirred up in a negative way that it can stir us up in a positive way that this is this is the aliveness of practice. Uh, I'm just wondering, did I read Dakini Speaks here recently? The poem, The Dakini Speaks? No? Then here it is. This is the ultimate poem on death. This is by Jennifer Wellwood. My friends, let's grow up. Let's stop pretending we don't know the deal here. Or if we truly haven't noticed, let's wake up and notice. Look, everything that can be lost will be lost. It's simple. How could we have missed it for so long? Let's grieve our losses fully like human ripe beings. But please, let's not be so shocked by them. Let's not act so betrayed as though life had broken her secret promise to us. Impermanence is life's only promise to us, and she keeps it with ruthless impeccability. To a child she seems cruel, but she is only wild, and her compassion exquisitely precise. She strips away the unreal to show us the real. This is the true ride. Let's give ourselves to it. Let's stop making deals for a safe passage. There isn't one anyway, and the cost is too high. We are not children anymore. The true human adult gives everything for what cannot be lost. Let's dance the wild dance of no hope. (laughs) And to dance that dance... To give up hope and just surrender, as, as you were saying, Isabella, into that release, how beautifully it can be. So we'll just take a, a moment and uh, send to Gina, if you will. Gina, may you feel the loving presence of everyone who cares for you. May you feel safe from harm. May you feel your goodness as your protection. May you feel the release of peace as you go on your adventure. And may you find true liberation Remember your true nature. And may our coming here together be of benefit to all beings everywhere. May all beings find happiness and peace. Thank you. Have a good week. <laughs>